You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Well, it's time to engage a discussion about disengage because it's Monday night, it's 7 p.m., and it's time for Mission Log Live. Now, let me caveat that. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and it's 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but it is definitely Mission Log Live time. I'm Norman Lau, and I'm a little rusty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm Holly Amos. Tonight, we are continuing our review for Star Trek Picard Season 3 with Episode 2, Disengage. As always, we want to hear from you in the Facebook chat and live with us, so you know what to do. You click on the Zoom link. Give us a ring from your one-tap smartphone, or you can call us at 669-900-6833, enter the meeting code and the password, and you will be in the Earl Green Room. So before we get over into the chat, I just want to say, hi, Ollie. We haven't done this in a while. How you been? We we haven't done this in a while. (laughs) I was so discombobulated because, I I mean, if you guys were watching last week, I was in a hotel room. I was actually in Hawaii, and so I sort of had to jimmy-rig that, and then I got, I'm home now. But I was like, how do, how, what was my setup? How did I do this? So I, it's fine. I'm good to go. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Uh, again, a little rusty. I'm kind of like trying to identify like all the different screens that are going on. So I have my note screen. I have the Zoom screen. I have the chat screen, which is going off incredibly, which is, it's great because everyone's here. Everyone showed up to talk about the show. Um, just to catch up, you and I with the show, uh, loved uh, the saga of your, dry cleaning in the last episode i was super laundry <laughs> guys i was in hawaii working and i had to stay an extra week unexpectedly and didn't bring enough clothes so i had to have the hotel wash my work clothes and they needed i needed them to be delivered in the only time frame that they were going to deliver that was we're doing the show <laughs> so that's what happened so we're all good there <laughs> So we're, we're good. Holly's got her clothes. Uh, she's got her home set up. The sound yes. is great. Uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure good. it's better than the $20 headphones that I bought in Hawaii last week to do the show. <laughs> well, let's take a look at uh, who is up with us here in the chat. Now, I know that uh, your dad and your mom are in there. So Hello, mom and dad. Bob and your mom, Maggie. Margie. Margie. Sorry, Margie. I can't see. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'm going to have to start using these like on the show. Because <laughs> right, I'm allergic to Retinax Five. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. My parents. My parents are here. They're probably okay. watching me and you on the big screen. Oh, so I get to uh, put my glasses on for them on the big screen. This is for the big screen. Holly's parents. <laughs> You're going to see a lot more of that during the course of the show. Uh, let's see, we have Paul. Hello, Paul. We have Jane uh, Marajan. Uh, How many Pauls? Paul. How many Pauls are here? I am. I am hoping at least three. We like getting at least three. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave, uh, thanks for being here. Kim, uh, Heather, good to see yeah, you. Yeah, hi, Heather. Chris Riker, Carlos. Let's see. We have, let's looking for another Paul. Brett, Matthew. Cooley's uh, there. Alan. Hi, Cooley. Cooley. Did you already say, did you say John? I don't call no. him John. I, I have to call him Cooley because there's too many Johns. And now we have our, our Cooley sighting and the Cooley cheer. We're going to, we're trademarking that, by the way. Uh, Dom, what's up, Dom? Uh, Metal horns for Dom. That's uh, that's our special, special call sign and on Discord as well. Uh, Let's see. We have, yeah, all the kind of like the regulars, some irregulars. Irregulars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jama, Jama, a new name for me, Jama. Welcome. Uh, There's another Paul. That's two. Yeah. Uh, Captain Mike. Uh, Hi, Bree. I just saw Bree actually a few hours ago. We're part of the same Rotary Club here. So Bree's a new member uh, to the Patreon community and on Discord and a huge uh, Star Trek fan. She gave me an Uhura duck as a gift. A, like a like a rubber duck? Like a rubber duck. Yeah. This, I, guess, like, I guess there's like a whole collection of like Star Trek rubber duck. There is. I worked at CBS yeah. when those were made and I thought they were absolutely ridiculous, but I have data. <laughs> they are awesome. They're awesome in that I think they're kind of like, if you have too many Funko Pops, then I think you're going to start like collecting ducks because why not? Right. Yeah. Let's see. Um, a couple other people here, Scott Palm. Good to see you. Uh, so we have Mark, um, Sean. Hey, Sean Dempsey. Good to see you, my brother. Haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. A uh, great crowd. Thanks for being here. Um, we do a little housekeeping before we jump into the show. Cause I know that we have a lot to talk about and a lot of coverage on disengage. So yeah, 
little short uh, housekeeping thing here. So this week on Mission Log, our coverage of Voyager continues this Thursday with Remember. This is the one uh, where... Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Good old Bolana Torres. Yeah. So this is the Bolana dreams turn into nightmare story as she relives someone else's painful history. So um, make sure that you stay tuned for that. That's going to drop this Thursday. And uh, just to remind everyone that Mission Log The Orville and Mission Log Prodigy are available as podcasts, and they're also available as videos. So if you want to catch up on recent episodes, like Mike and Jessica's interview for Mission Log The Orville with writer and producer Brandon Braga, you can find that on our YouTube channel. You can also find our latest Prodigy Deep Dive into the Blu-ray and uh, mine and Char's review of the 75-plus minutes of bonus features, which are fantastic if you haven't gotten the DVD yet. So go to podcasts.roddenberry.com to follow the podcast or go to youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment to follow all of the video versions of those podcasts. You can always find our podcasts at podcasts.roddenberry.com. So... I know yes. I haven't done this in a while, and I really oh. tried to keep this one short, people, but <laughs> this was a jam-packed episode, so I think we should jump right into it. I'm going to take yeah. a second. Yeah, you, you got to lubricate and your voice. Wet my whistle and put on my glasses so I can read this. <laughs> I know it's terrible. You're going to have to bear with me. Um, let's see. Okay. Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 2, Disengage. Two weeks ago, on board the SS Celios, Jack Crusher is tap-dancing his way around a Fenris Rangers inspection. He insists he is delivering medical supplies to the people of Sarnia Prime, who are suffering from the highly lethal Galarian fever. Jack also has a gift of phaser rifles for the Rangers if they wanted to, say, arm the very same warlords who engineered the fever, forcing them to kill each other off, essentially solving the problem. As the Rangers leave with their bribes, their leader activates his comlink and says, reach out to the marked woman. We've found him. In the present, Jack, Picard, and Riker on the Elios trying to figure out who their enemy is and how they're going to save Beverly, whose life pod is rapidly running out of energy. The only way out is Picard's shuttle, and hopefully the Titan is still close by to intervene, which it is, just outside the nebula and just within Federation space. After a thorough threat assessment, Shaw orders the Titan to maintain position, Believing the risk is too great to save Picard and Riker, with an exploratory vessel that is far outgunned by the larger enemy ship. And just as Jack, Picard, and Riker are about to abandon the Helios, a spread of enemy photon torpedoes destroy their shuttlecraft. On the Talus Prime, Rafi watches the news coverage of an attack that killed 117 people. She reaches out to her handler for further instructions, but is instead told to stand down, because Starfleet believes they have the terrorist properly identified as the Romulan dissident Larak Taluko. Rafi knows that he's a small-time player who bought the portal weapon from a Ferengi black market arms dealer named Sneed. Demanding to investigate Sneed further, Rafi's handler orders her instead to disengage. Aboard the Titan, Seven confronts Shaw in his ready room and presents him with two options, either be the hero who saved two heroes, or be the captain who let two legends die. Back on the Elios, Picard safeguards the ship with transporter inhibitors, which prevent Jack from being beamed out, proving that he's the enemy's target and not Beverly. After successfully thwarting a boarding party, the Elios is then caught in a tractor beam, and when all appears lost, the Titan swoops in, breaks the tractor beam's hold, and beams everyone from the Elios aboard, including Beverly, who was beamed directly to sickbay. Back on Metallus Prime, Raffi reconnects with her ex-husband Jay, and who has the underworld connections she needs to go after Sneed. She asked Jay how he got out of the lifestyle, and he said it was a simple choice. He chose his son, and now Jay demands Raffi to make the same choice reconnect with their son Gabe, or have Jay set up a meeting with Sneed, and Raffi's expression was his answer. On the Titan, after everyone from the Ilios is reunited with Seven and Shaw on the bridge, the enemy ship finally hails them. Shaw accepts and is greeted by Captain Vadic, who informs Shaw and Picard that Jack Crusher has a sizable bounty on his head, and after scanning Vadic's ship, it has the firepower to take him by force. Vatic demands Jack to be surrendered in one hour, and as an example of what her ship is capable of, its tractor beam latches onto and hurls the Helios at the Titan. After assessing the damage, the Titan suffered what Sidney LaForce described as blunt force trauma. Knowing that Vatic's ship is capable of destroying the Titan, Shaw is looking for options. Seven offers some of the off-book intel about a pirate ship fitting Vatic's description, especially the firepower. Shaw later strides into the brig with proof that Jack Crusher is an intergalactic fugitive. He then turns to Seven and relieves her of duty for insubordination. 
Picard and Riker appeal to Shaw on her behalf, but instead he gives them one last chance to get the truth of Jack Crusher. The truth Riker can clearly see, but Picard is hesitant to speculate on. Later in the brig, Picard sits with Jack Crusher, who gives Jean-Luc chapter and verse of who he is and what he and Beverly have been doing out in space all this time on the Ilios, which was providing aid to those in need. Picard point blank asks Jack who his father is, to which Jack barks back that he never had one. With time ticking away, Picard knows that his only two options are to either surrender Jack to save the Titan or protect Jack and risk the lives of over 500 people. Back on Metallus Prime, Raffi finally meets with Sneed, who offers her a sluggo cola as she offers him a bag of precious gemstones. Raffi impresses upon him that she works for Toluco and wants to know who framed him for the attack on Starfleet. Sneed, Sneed needs proof that Raffi isn't working for Starfleet or Section 31 and forces her to dose her eye with Splinter, his signature drug which doubles as the truth serum. But before she passes out, a white-haired Klingon cuts down Sneed and his bodyguards with lightning-fast efficiency. Worf lifts Raffi off the floor and repeats what her handler told her earlier. Do not engage. On the Titan, Picard and Riker try to invent Shaw not to turn over Jack to Vatic. Shaw pushes back, reminding Riker that since Beverly is unconscious, there's no way to confirm Jack's story. Jack manages to escape the brig and make his way to the transporter room while Riker checks in on Beverly in sickbay and tries to revive her with a hypospray as her doctor watches in protest. On the bridge, Vatic hails Shaw in monologues about the name of her ship, the Shrike, named after a small carrion earth bird that, that kills surgically, carefully, and without anger or malice. Suddenly, Shaw is informed that Jack escaped the brig and orders his ship-wide lockdown. Seven finds Jack in the, supporter room, in the transporter room and both face off at phaser point. Picard persuades Shaw to let him go, believing Jack is surrendering to protest <laughs> to protect his mother and the lives aboard the Titan. And just as the transporters are unlocked, Beverly is escorted to the bridge by Riker. And in one silent exchange, one deep look into each other's eyes, Picard com commandeers the ship under Admiral's authority. And when Shaw demands to know why, Picard says, because he's my son. And with that, Shaw throws his full support in with Picard and orders the Titan to fire on the strike before fleeing into the nebula. The end. Uh, and hopefully the end of these. <laughs> you can read the chat with those without them? I can because they're <laughs> different sizes on my screen. <laughs> Maybe I just need to do that. Um I know that the chat was going crazy when I was reading this because I could see like the chat move on this yeah. side and my script on this side. But um, <laughs> let's let's get into it, Holly. Let's talk about uh, the episode a little bit and we're going to get into some of our callers because I know that our callers have a lot to discuss. I have a lot to discuss too. too. Listen, I enjoyed the episode. I always enjoy the episodes, but mm -hmm. I I have thoughts. I have thoughts. All right. Well, <laughs> what is what is your what is your number number one thought? My number one thought. Didn't we already do the unknown child? Well, we <laughs> did in the Earl Green room earlier, but I think it's a fair point of discussion for say. For, we already did this with David and Kirk. Like I just and then the other thing is, is I was like, oh, maybe we're just like. He, Picard's going to be convinced that this is his like listen this is great motivation for mm -hmm. for Picard like I am not denying that at all it's it, I mean and I they have to introduce new characters to keep it interesting um as much as they are also relying on us being excited that we're seeing this most of the crew from the next generation um and the nostalgia of that, they do have to introduce new characters in order to, you know, get new storylines. And this is great motivation. But I we already did this with David and Kirk. And then I was thinking, well, maybe we're just like trying to be, we're just going to be convinced that this is his son and that, and that it's not really. But we already did that in Bloodlines, too. So like either way, we've already done this. I know, you know, we're at this interesting tipping point um, with a series having to move on. And you're right, introduce new characters to keep things interesting and fresh. But at the same time, we know that uh, Terry has crafted this particular series, series three or season three, yes. to to um, appeal to the next generation fans. You know, that's been you know built up in the marketing and the advertising and a lot on social media about this is the season that the next generation fans deserve. And I can understand that. But at the same time, though, if you are 
repeating uh, a trope in Star Trek that many fans have seen over the course of their history, some 30, some 40, some 50 years with Star Trek. How do you, how do you not create a trope in Star Trek for a new audience that's never seen this before? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not a writer. I'm not saying that I have like a better idea of how they could have introduced. Yeah. No, that's just a rhetorical question. Yeah. It's just, but I mean, this is, it's not just a trope in Star Trek though. Like this is a trope in a lot of television and film is like for, for a male character, the unknown child is. (laughs) We see this a lot. We see it a lot. Yeah, I mean, Jane, I, I mean, uh, I, but I genuinely don't know a better way. Like, I, I, not a writer. That's why there's writers. Looking at the chat, I mean, Jane and Mike both bring out some pretty good points. That's the uh, Jane says the storyline will be thin in order to deliver the love letter to the fans, and it may be. I mean, we still have eight hours worth of content left, right. ish hours. And then uh, mm-hmm. Mike says that's the issue with eight hundred plus hours of content. There are always going to be parallels that can be drawn with prior content, mm-hmm. unless you're unless you are completely new to the franchise and maybe Star Trek Picard is what you started with. And now you're really only seeing if you haven't been inundated with all 800 hours worth of content, something that maybe actually be, you know, is interesting to you. Like, Ooh, Jack Crusher. I've never heard of this name before. Right. That's an interesting conversation to have with somebody who hasn't been involved, you know, with these names, with these characters. So. Can we talk about his name too? We can. Is it, is it, I mean, listen, I get it, but is it weird that she named him after her dead husband who was like such, uh, he, I mean, he was so present throughout their almost relationship. He mm-hmm. was like this ghost that haunted them. Like, you know, Picard always had feelings for her, but, you know, he didn't really act on them because he was the best friend. Like, I, and then like, okay, they got together, they had a kid presumably accidentally but i feel like they're they're both pretty advanced in age for it to be a true accident i don't know but well, then she was like oh i'm gonna name him jack and i'm like you're gonna name him after your dead husband who was like this ghost in your relationship with his father wild that's oh, a choice God. it's a choice it's better than naming him candle also a ghost oh so, god I, don't, I hate that episode i know i just had to do that to you know to to keep you on your toes also, to get a laugh out of Cherie, who's waiting uh, to get in uh, from the early. Cherie's day. early today. Let's talk to her. I don't know. Let's talk to her. Right? <laughs> She's here. She showed up. But I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, there's some great comments in the chat about that. And and maybe Cherie can uh, enlighten us on that or something else. But what's on your mind, Cherie? Thanks for joining us tonight. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I, I'm sorry, Holly. I still say candle, baby. <laughs> <sighs> uh, candle, baby. <laughs> Creepy. So <laughs> I mean, it would have been weird. Like either way, it would have been weird. She either she either has a kid with her grandmother's former lover, or she has a kid with her dead husband's best friend. It's yikes! Either way. Yeah, but it, you're right. It is a little uh, suspect, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> he's named Jack. He also has a lot of different aliases. I thought that one of his aliases, something Carvel, I thought they were referencing like the ice cream cake company, like here back here on earth, because I love Carvel cakes. Ice cream oh, cakes. Oh, you, you went to cake? That's where your brain went? It went to cake? It usually does. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just me. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm a very simple creature, bourbon and desserts. So, okay. You know, yeah. Mm. But uh, this isn't my time. This is Cherie's time. So. What's happening? Uh, what were your thoughts on either this particular detail or any other details on the show? So I did want to say, because I didn't get to comment on it last time, there were some comments about like um, uh, Beverly kicking butt and being awesome and maybe that not being in her character. I actually really liked that because I felt like in the original, like, next generation they didn't give her enough to do and so just seeing her being able to like shoot aliens and do cool stuff is really cool and i'm glad that gates mcfadden got to do that and so that makes me happy so yeah i mean we haven't listen guys we haven't seen this character for i don't know 20 plus years in Mm -hmm. her time like her timeline and she's a mom trying to protect her offspring (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and doing dangerous stuff i mean according to what they're doing i mean they're they're literally like doing kind of like doctors without borders without protection right. you know yeah. like they're doing some very dangerous work and 
I, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this and he's like, oh, seriously, like 20, 20 years. I mean, who can change in 20 years? I haven't been. Okay. So I, I haven't been to a high school reunion in 30 years. So if I walked into a high school reunion from what they, from when they last saw me, because everyone's best buds when you graduate. Right. And I said, well, what do you do now? Like, well, for the last 20 years, I was, I did this job and I did, you know, this for fun. And I did this, you know, as a side job and uh, I got married, got divorced. I'm just like giving examples. And they would have been like, that's not you. That was never you, but it was yes. yeah. You know, until it is. So I, I, I have, um, you know, I, I can understand people's points, but at the same time though, if you're doing something that pushes you to like this extreme position in your life and you haven't talked about it with anyone for 20 years, that can happen. I think that's real. I think that could possibly yeah. definitely happen. So sorry, people. I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I like where you're going with that, Sherry. I like that uh, that Bev got a chance to you know, to be a little bit more proactive as a character and, and get into the thick of it. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was a neat change. Yeah. I really liked that part. It occurred to me during the, maybe during or after the second episode, though, that like she has the like child version of like a girl in a show that always needs a boyfriend because like the one of the problems with uh, next generation was they always kind of kind of just cast her as the mother that was just her personality or like her entire personality was that she was wesley's mother um and now they're like oh well we don't have wesley anymore give her another kid <laughs> like oh wait i hope this <laughs> doesn't go downhill like i like seeing her shoot aliens and be really cool so i hope they don't like be like okay well now you're a mother again i mean they're on a in a pretty sophisticated <laughs> ship um i know that they probably have rapid dna testing on the ship it's very impossible <laughs> they can do that Sherry has been intercepted. Her your feed was intercepted. Yeah, that's weird because I I can see my video normally, but then mm -hmm. the other one looks weird. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we got we've been I'm, the I'm aliens are here. <laughs> Maybe the Vulcans yes. are here. You guys are the Vulcans here. Yes. Let's see. We have uh, purple beings. Uh, let's see. <laughs> the light got Wait. blown out on Candle Baby. <laughs> Oh, it's, a, it's a spec. It's a spectre that's haunting the show. What um, if she had named her kid Ronan? That would have been weird. Yes. <laughs> well, it looks like we're uh, having a little bit of a te technical yeah. difficulty with uh, our video stream. But the thing is, what's what's great about the show is that it's both video and audio. So the audio show must go on, as they say in the podcast business. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna have. Uh, let's talk about one more point with you, uh, Sheree. Then we're gonna take mm -hmm. a little bit of a of a break here and then we're going to get into our next caller. So, uh final thoughts uh for this week this week's episode. Uh were you engaged or did you disengage? Ah, uh, still engaged. Still have no notes. Still really enjoying myself and I loved Worf. I loved seeing Worf. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Zaddy Worf. I I loved that like uh uh because like the the, tor the term being morphed, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but it basically means that you you want to attack someone, but then like some, you get zapped by something or something throws you off. Like, Yo, you got morphed. Actually, do cool stuff like not never, but like so often, like they're like, oh, morph will get him, and then it's like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had to truly off. use his. He was a he had a mech left, right? That wasn't a it wasn't a bat yeah. left. It was a mech left. It's it's cool. a it's a new weapon. It's it's an absolute, it's a new designation of weapon. I looked it up and I can't remember, but. Oh, really? Yeah. It looked like a necklace to me. Okay. I'm excited for a new, a new Klingon weapon then. Yeah. Yay. So I've, I've been kind of FOMOing on the, uh, on the, uh, cruise. So I've been like looking at, uh, all of JVCs and, uh, champions, like photos of <laughs> the stuff, all the props and stuff like that, that have been on display. And one of, there's a, there's a section on Worf's new weaponry and it's, I can't remember what it's called, but it's right. But it's. It's longer than a mechleth, but sh obviously shorter than a batleth since it's a one-handed weapon. So I love Klingon weapons. Yeah, I'm a I fan. Am, uh, I'm definitely going to have to collect something like that. And it also has this wonderful kind of like you know this uh, this blood groove in it, and um, I'm sure that it slices custard just as well as a mechleth. So you know, no <laughs> one has to worry about that. And uh, just as well as a Ferengi neck. As a <laughs> oh, yeah, and yeah, because they're also as soft as custard. I mean, according to what Worf did. That was a pretty extreme. I mean, like, was I the only one that yelled, there can be only one when that happened? Or is that just my reflex? I guess that's d d same as your reflex with cake. Exactly. 
Like, yeah. So again, I'm a creature of habit. You know, I have, I like bourbon. I like cake. I like beheadings. You know, I must've been, I, I should have lived in the 17th or 18th century France, you know, or from France, which apparently maybe uh, uh, Jack Crusher is not from. We don't know where he's from. Why does he, why does he have an accent? Because the director said so. Uh, listen, the actor is from the UK and they just sure. let him keep his natural accent. But like the it, where was he raised by Beverly in the like 20 plus years that he's been alive? Because that's not inherited like genetically. He doesn't have an English accent just because his father is English. Well, French with an English accent. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of questions and I hope they get answered. Some great answers in the chat. So Brett says, because all Frenchmen have English accents. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, we've learned more about that. And <laughs> we learned more about his family and their like goings back and forth because of wars and stuff. So like, yeah. we've learned more about Picard's family and why he's French, but has an English accent. I, I want to know more about this child. And we may get there. We may get there. We may not. But that was one of the things that Holly and I were talking a little bit off uh, camera about like, if you're going to start seeding a lot of these details into the show that people know about, like especially the deep, deep, deep cut, deep trivia fans that have been following the next generation since 87 and, you know, have been stalwart fans since you can't drop details like this without having an explanation. So I hope um, Terry Metalis is prepared you know, for the uh, the fan wave of the backlash, onslaught, the <laughs> onslaught, if uh, if it's not explained, but that's, that's for him to take care of. You know, we're just here to speculate. Um, great to have you here on the show, Shuri. Good to see you again. Yay. Thank okay. you. See you next time. Um, <laughs> before we get into our next caller, Mr. Paul Harbeth, we're going to talk a little bit more about some, well, a real French place with real French people with real French wine. And that's Mm-hmm. The Chateau Picard from the real the Chateau real Chateau Picard, Picard. Uh, from our friends at Star Trek Wines. So you and John talk about Star Trek Wines in the last episode, and you were talking about like all of these wonderful special vintages that have been shown on screen. So you have like twenty two, twenty one, twenty three, eighty six. But the one I wanted to talk about is like it's it's like the showstopper bottle. It's the twenty four oh one. It's the one with the metal label. It's the yep. one that Picard gifts to Shaw. And it's the one that Shaw, I can understand if you're a Malbec fan, would set aside if you're not a Grand Cru, you know, vintage <laughs> enjoyer of wines. And that's okay. I can forgive him for that. Some things maybe not. I can forgive him for that, for being that kind of a connoisseur or snob. Um, but there's, I mean, this, this this particular, have you seen this one up close? Have you held this in your yeah. hands? Yeah. I haven't held it, but I've seen close-ups of, of the label. Is it as gorgeous stuff? as it looks? Yeah, in it's person? very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the the production of like these these products, and you were you were talking about this in the last show. We're at this wonderful stage where it's almost kind of like the prop makers know that these things are going to sell in the retail market. So why not make them as good for the yeah. retail market, right? We'll also make them good enough to to literally be used as a prop too. Exactly. So um, there was that wonderful shot in in Jack Crusher's uh, opening scene where he opens up a case of Romulan ale, and I'm like, is that a prop? Or is that now an actual product that's being supplied to them from our friends, our friends also at Star Trek Spirits? So yeah. uh, just to go over a little bit of the details of this, this incredible product, right? If you have the 2401 vintage, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't bought it yet, you really want to add this to your collection. It has a full metal label and a silicone rubber topper that looks like uh, what John was describing as the melted wax seal on the bottle. Yeah. Um, the varietal is um, it's a Grand Cru Bourgeois Bordeaux. Very I, good. Yeah, I practiced that literally five minutes before we got on here, and I think I got it right. <laughs> uh, but the interesting thing here is that it has this silicone st- uh, topper stamped with Vendage à Chateau Sol 3, right? And I did it- some Googling, and it really translates to loosely vintage of the castle Sol 3 or Earth. Meaning that it's vintage of Earth. Yep. Right. Because we're the soul system. Intergalactic wine fans out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh I think that's fantastic. Have you have you tried this at all? Or have you I tried haven't tried I haven't tried the 2401 yet. I've had the other two though. All right. Uh let's see. Carlos, yes. Uh Earl wins the internet for fixing 
our our video. And yeah. if you're looking at it right now, you're looking at uh, some of the fantastic uh, prop design and structural design that our friends at StarTrekWines.com uh, have been doing for us. You have the three bottles of the Picard Vintages. You have that incredible Canar bottle, which is probably mm-hmm. one of the coolest things I have in my collection of limited glassware. Uh, you have the Ryzen bottles that we've seen uh, on, I believe it was on Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think uh, so, yeah. Yes, and so much more. So if you want to collect, you know, any of these wines, uh, which are fabulous, you know, you want to go to StarTrekWines.com. And remember, if you want to get your free United Federation of Planets medallion, add it to your cart, use the checkout code Roddenberry, and then that will, you know, that will subsidize or remove the value, the price of that. And then you get that medallion for free in your order. So remember, go to the checkout, add the medallion to your cart, use the code Roddenberry, I think we can all remember that. Use that code Roddenberry, and then that will get deducted from the overall total of your purchase. And if you want to save the bottle, just to do a little cross-promotion here, if you want to save your bottle, keep it on display, you can decant your wine. Ah, yes. Right? And then put it- We love decanting. Your Federation decanter, that gorgeous glass decanter that you can buy, and it's available on toink.com, where you can also use the code Roddenberry to get 15% off of your order. It's a win-win, really. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's literally like giving Fenris Rangers phasers to uh, end uh, warfare on a planet with warlords. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's that much of a win-win. So uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, enduring my spiel. And I think <laughs> we're going to get back to the show because I think Paul Harvest has things to say. He's giving me- Paul has thoughts. He's giving me the, uh, the shepherd's crook. He goes, get off the ad, Norm. Let's talk about some Star Trek. No, never, never, Norman. I always love to hear you two banter and talk and just, you know, it's a lot of fun. Holly, you hit, you hit so many points up front on um, what I was talking about. Haven't we seen this before kind of deal? So I want to- A little bit. Yeah, I'm not even talking about that. Let's start with number one, I still love Shaw. Okay. I like this guy. I like his attitude and I just hope he comes out- well, Did, can I can I ask you because there's a throwaway line and listen, Norman and I were talking about this th- that Riker's foreshadowing felt a little bit too much. Like there's two different sequences in which he's like, you don't see what I see, and it just feels a little bit forced. But there is a throwaway line about Shaw and about his psychological profile, and I'm ex- like Vatic says it, and I'm. It, I'm super interested. Like, I feel like they're doing him well on character development because there's just these minuscule foreshadowings, throwaway lines that they're working in. What about a psychological profile? I want to know more. Well, it's interesting you use the word forced because that was Michelle and I looked at each other and go, wow, is this being forced? It just like it. That was the word we used. It's just like, oh, well, you're going to like this, but we're liking it for a lot of different reasons. And you brought up the person's name. Is is Vatic like one of the greatest characters we've had in a long time? She's gonna be- she's, she's a pretty good baddie so far. Wow, she's creepy. She's spicy. She, she sort of reminds me of like Q. You know, he shows up. And you know there's going to be problems. And you go, well, where's this going, right? And she's just enjoying this acting. You know, oh, my God. She's she's fabulous. I think she's just fabulous. So. Well, she has the one thing that kind of sets people back on their heels a little bit. She has information, right? Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. she and, and she's not afraid to use it. I mean, I really like that she reinforced the fact that Picard in his, you know, in his synthetic skin. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, yeah, so in the synthetic flesh. Is, and she right? knew she knew Shaw too. She was like, uh, yeah. Captain Liam Shaw. And he's like, that's me, which by the mm-hmm. way, reminded <laughs> me of Nero in the 2009 film when he's like, Hello, Christopher, I'm Nero. It's <laughs> I'm Nero. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's you know, parts of it are really entertaining, but not for Star Trek reasons, just for like entertaining reasons. It's it's pretty funny. And the actors are doing I think they're doing a pretty good job with it. I mean First of all, I mean, who else's son is it going to be, right? If it's somebody else's son, I'm going to be surprised. So we'll just, I said I was going to talk about it, but it's just like, oh, it's crazy. But we already did that. We already also yeah. did. He wasn't, he didn't end up being Picard's son. That was in Bloodline. So, all I, right, so I, I got one more. Um, first of all, one more. And then my final line leading into the next, our next caller, it's going to be set up for him. Um, when did all the cities in Star Trek become like Blade Runner cities? Have you noticed they're all sort but, of sort of hanging, creepy, weirdo places? 
<laughs> like yeah, because Prime. that's the future. That's the future. That's what cities look like in the future. But they didn't have to buy into it. Couldn't they invent their own creepy cities? They look like they're straight out of Blade Runner, don't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, but it's... That's, all... <laughs> yeah, it's that dystopian future that science fiction designers love to design for, man. Um, what, what can I say? It, yeah, I know. It, it, it's no it's no Riza. Um, I mean, but it's it's supposed to be like weird and underground... I, I mean, how else would you design a city to look if you're trying to like she's there to get information and there's drug addicts abound and like she's a former addict. And like, how would you well, how would you there. have that city look? Would it would it look pristine? To, do you think? Well, the, you know, they just all seem to have that. Vegas got swallowed up by a very dark cloud under you know vegas not yeah. in the sunshine right right uh, it, i don't know vegas with fog <laughs> it's just, vegas with fog okay just, that can be our party title in vegas with fog vegas which uh, will it will cause a fog if yeah you, if, yeah okay you, so uh, and i think the thing with Worf off with his head was like that's the scene they always wanted to do in next gen next gen but never did right it's right like, and off goes his head. All right, right. but I was a little here. bit too much for network television. At least there yeah. wasn't the blood. That was it was a it's it, a clean cut. Yes, it does all the you know ceiling when it cuts. I'm going to leave you with this, and it's not the next caller, but I'm sure um, Alan down the line may have something to say about this. Wait till Vosh shows up, <laughs> and what what kind of surprises does she have? <laughs> and I that will leave you interesting with interesting. I will leave you with cameo, that for sure. Peace out, yep. love you guys. Thanks, thanks, for the Paul. Work. Thanks, Great brother. Great to see you. Great to see you too. Oh God, Picard's got so many children. You know, I want to uh, answer one of Carlos's <laughs> questions here. So Carlos says, "Did you guys previews more than these two episodes?" I have not. I I don't watch the well. I haven't at least yet watched the uh, the screeners because oh, I like right. being here with you all talking yeah, about so it in real time. We saw the first two. Champion and I saw the first two. Um, at the premiere in Los Angeles. And given the opportunity, I will not watch more because I don't want to accidentally know something that I shouldn't and make a comment on it subconsciously. So I'm watching it in real time with everybody. Sometimes when you see like too far ahead and you're trying to have these conversations, it, it can't help but kind of like leak into your subconscious with like, maybe you know those kind of like reactions like oh wait and see you know and you just kind yeah. of lead on the conversation in a less genuine way um yes paul right uh paul dubs uh you want the hoverboards power laces and flying cars future yeah so do we all so do we all <laughs> yeah. um and uh sports almanacs with, with dust covers because if you like dust and you can hold down get the dust buster you know all those kind of things we want to get that in our future uh i love uh i love the background Brandon's here. He's coming that's, straight in from 10 forward. That's a well-lit bar. And we, uh, we're we at a shortage <laughs> of well-lit bars here in this series so far. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a shortage of bright lighting uh, in general, especially yeah. on the ships. Um, but I guess they've put in the reflective floors to make up for it. There you go. We had all kinds <laughs> um, of ambient lighting. <laughs> I definitely found myself wondering um, how many people slip on just the floor throughout their average day on any of the new new ships um they look very slippery you know it's funny no, that you mentioned i mean can't that. they can't they give boots can't they give them starfleet regulation boots that get around that so i used to um i used to sword fight in a parlor where i know it sounds very um elite but it was so i used to sword fight in a parlor that had almost mirror finished floors and the biggest complaint was that we stuck to the floors too much to be able to execute certain maneuvers so mm. <laughs> I know, I know it's just a thing, you know, they can get that, that showroom shine, but it's tacky at the same time. Mm. Science. Interesting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But anyway, I get, I get your point. It's uh, but it is nice though, to be able to kind of, um, I don't know, like uh, you could, you could have like, you know, L cars like reflected in the floors. So you don't have to crane your neck all the time. You can see what's going on. Just Ergonomic. staring at your shoes. <laughs> I think I could use the, I, 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 I like some of the, um, you know, when we went from like next gen to generations and we got the lower lighting in generations, I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. I could use it around there. I feel like it's a little dark in, in Picard, but, um, 
sorry, I'm going to go and I guess really get on a real interior design tangent here. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, That's just as valid as any other discussion on this episode. You can I'm fixate sure, on things. It's the design fine. is awesome, but also a little dark. But maybe it's because it's supposed to show off all the lighting awesomeness, like the L cars and, you know, all the, the graphics and all that kind cool. of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had a couple of thoughts as I was watching this episode. Um, I, I think, um, <laughs> so I was starting to suspect as we were getting the messages from Rafi's handler, I was like, that's an awful lot like how Worf would talk. Oh, did, uh, did you think that really? Yeah. Oh, great. I was like, <laughs> you're a warrior, huh? Huh. Who do we know who says that a lot? Mm-hmm. Who do we yeah. know who doesn't like contractions and hasn't blown up? Um, and <laughs> oh. I, know I made myself sad. Well, it's not too late. Um, it's not too late, but he hasn't yet. Um, and so, but his, and so the reveal was still really great, but I really liked my wife's reaction to that was like, she said, hell yeah. Hey, wait, isn't he the ambassador to the Klingon empire? Um, so I'm really interested to hear what happened between those between, two yeah. points. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think that sort of leads on to um, I I watch I watch Picard sort of with a um, a little defensiveness. I guess is the I can't think of the right word, but um, because Next Gen was so very precious to me, um, and uh, guardedness. The, maybe you were guarded. Guarded, yeah. G- okay. Guarded, wary. That's there. Mm-hmm. We go. That's wary. Um, and um, you know, I really, I'm glad that we're back in space after season two. Um, I'm glad that we have a Starfleet ship, even if the captain's a little grumpy. And I can also, you know, I was telling Paul in the waiting room, I can understand him being a little grumpy because he's sort of looking at Picard and Riker and be like, "Oh, you're not even trying. That wasn't even a good lie." <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, but he, uh, I, I think, so there's a couple things that start to, they're little and then they start to add up. And most of the time when I think them, I think they start with, of course. So like you were saying, Holly, I was like, of course he's Picard's son. Um, well, I mean, Riker piled it on so much. He sure did. Yeah. Um, and and I, you know, it's the captain's unknown son brought in and revealed at an inopportune moment. Um, the sort of, of course, he's going to bluff and he's going to lure the guard up to the force field and escape and knock the guard out. Pro tip for anyone who's ever guarding anyone ever. Don't engage. Do not engage. Yeah. Good Disengage. Advice. Disengage. Um, don't approach the bars. Don't approach the whatever. Um, you're really not going to gain anything. Um, and then it's sort of like, of course, Raffi's in a busy street on her communicator, saying her full name, identifying herself as being from Starfleet Intelligence. I really wanted somebody who's like sitting there and, you know, having some sort of like bug kebab to turn around and be like, oh, hey, you're it's from like, Starfleet Intelligence? Like, thank you. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, guys. Like, just what? I don't know why he talks like that. But um, it, it's just it was one of those things. It was like, you don't want to go home first. Yeah. Um, you know, and you've got the, of course, Riker just waltzes into sickbay and wakes up the sick person. The doctor's like, hey, and doesn't do anything. And of course, instead of the communicator, it's this slow turbo lift ride, probably preceded by a hobble and followed by a hobble up to the bridge. And then it's just sort of like, look at each other. That's your kid, right? Yeah. To be fair, though, that look. That look was amazing. Gates was she didn't even say anything yeah fantastic the undeniable fantastic acting yeah undeniable and so it just sort of there's things where i'm like i i i don't want to see i don't like to see the writers in the frame is the the way that i always phrase it mm, and, yeah and, and i'm I, two episodes in we're it's good but i'm i'm a little worried i'm like oh are we gonna be able to avoid these through the rest of the season. And I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. Um, and it's a cool story. That's the, that's the conversation I think Holly and, and, and I wanted to continue about, or I wanted to continue this with, with Holly uh, in, in this discussion about whether or not so many of us have so much expectation because we know so much about these characters. You know, we already know the shorthand and when shorthand is piled on top of shorthand, you're kind of like seeing 
like you said, the writers in the room, because the writers are also now of a generation that they grew up on this Star Trek, this next generation era Star Trek. So they might even be shorthanding uh, their own, um, you know, their own exposition in order to just facilitate the story. But I really want to talk about, you know, say this particular season so far, since it's so uh, it, it's it's so heavily leaning on the nostalgia and the relationships that have been built over the last, you know, what, 30 plus years to a new person. 37. New, so 37 years. No, wait, hold on. 35. Cause it's a year younger than yeah. me. <laughs> so with a new audience member, someone who's new to Star Trek, who maybe just got in with Picard and doesn't know this information, doesn't have this, um, the anticipation of thinking where the story should go next, as opposed to where the story goes next organically it would be a fast uh, i think a fascinating conversation to have two people in a room when someone since 1987 uh who's been watching this all the way to now sitting and having a conversation with someone who's just started watching it two years ago right and say does the story work for you and they're like yeah why and it's like didn't you see this coming like Riker, you know like can't you see who this is yeah. Don't you know, audience, like who this is? You can't <laughs> tell me you don't see this. But I feel like, but there's also a way to do this and it still feels natural. And I always use Lower Decks as an example of that is if you started watching Lower Decks and you were not a Star Trek fan and you miss all of the references and the Easter eggs, you still understand what's going on. And yeah. I, I don't think that it has to be I, I don't think Riker needed to like pound that in for any new people to understand that this might be Picard's child. I would love to hear that conversation. I really would. Cause I think it would be fascinating just to see, you know, the difference between 35 years worth of fan, you know, appreciation and knowledge and history versus someone who has two, you know, and just see if the storyline works in the favor of a new audience, <laughs> the next generation. So, I mean, I hope it does, but I, it's, I've, Feel well, it might, but I feel like it doesn't do it as well as something like Lower Decks. It's, it's possible. It's possible. I just I think that would be fascinating to hear. So, um, anyone out there that has this dynamic in, <laughs> that's in their a new life, viewer, call in. Know, let us let us know. Um, but let's get back to Brandon. So I want to get to Brandon and maybe one more final thought, and then we can get to our next caller. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I just want to agree with you guys about I really like this villain. Um, she's great at not she's she's not mustache twirling um she's a little quirky a little quirky she's very quirky a little bit weird um, she's super but, nonchalant too yes just, just yeah here i am i'm gonna destroy you yeah i'm not terribly worried about this it saved me a torpedo if i didn't have to blow you up but you know. <laughs> and i that's that i love that kind of sort of originality where you know it's just it's it's calm it's casual it's not it's if it, it fits it works and i i have uh uh very much enjoyed that and uh now i will s- step uh, away and let alan uh jump in here oh thanks alan's Brandon. back and i and i hope that the season delivers for you because i hope it delivers for everybody in in, in the way that it needs to deliver because that's why we're here right absolutely uh, all right thanks for calling in uh, thank great you. seeing you thank you guys okay have a good one all right, Alan, Alan's here. Alan was here, st- and then I'm- he got yeeted into space, apparently, <laughs> by Vatic, and now he's back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry, nebula stuff, it happens. There was, <laughs> there was interference, uh, trans- uh, transporter inhibitors were at play, lots of things. <laughs> he, you, don't want, you don't even want to know. But, Alan, uh, blend floors trauma, the Zoom, now he's back. Yes. No. I, yeah, I, yeah. It, it it took some uh, some doing, but we we managed to uh, to uh, to cross reference and you know reverse the polarity, and now everything's better. And uh, so yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, evening in the soul system, and uh, we're here to talk about Picard, right? Right. And you know, I, uh, I, so I listened to your comments in the last show, and I know it, it felt like you were a little hesitant, you know, about episode one. And I know, and, and you laid out kind of like, I'm here to see some new stuff because I, I saw that, you know, Picard's in this situation and the world is dark and there's a world ending weapon. And like you laid out, you know, I think, you know, your concerns, you know, very yeah. clearly. Have any of those been assuaged by this episode or have they just added more concerns? Um, It's a little bit of a little bit of both. Um, I, 
I listening to Brandon's con- comments, I do feel like I do feel the writeriness of it in certain places. Like I'm not quite as high on on Vodak as some people are apparently. Um and maybe it's because we got another character this episode that kind of was in the same vibe. Sneed and Vodak both felt like very sort of arch talky uh referency villains. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to monologue at you for a for a while 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 you contemplate your fate. So Roger Moore era Bond villains. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Not not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I'm just it's just a category. <laughs> but there were there were times when the character did lock in and yeah, you know, I liked the her just cackling and being like, ah, oh, get them, get them. <laughs> That that I think worked. That that's a that's something that where the where that character uh, came in. Uh, I do kind of still have. You guys were talking earlier also about uh, the Jack Crusher situation and the um, the uh, the seeming <laughs> genetic uh, inheritance of an accent, which. It can't uh, be. It's can they have no. to address that somewhere? It it, it can be yeah. a throwaway line. I don't care. Exactly. I want to know or, where he was raised. Like clearly, he was not raised like. So Beverly was born on the moon. Like, yeah. and I, where did she? Where did she take? Did she take him back? Did she take him to weird Scottish town that she inherited from her grandmother? Like boarding where, school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. I just want to know. It can be a throwaway line. He was raised in whatever, and I'll be like, great. Yep. Well, and yeah, and <laughs> having listened to the 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 Ready Room episode with with uh ed spleers um listening to him and that's just his accent that is just (laughs) they just let him keep it and i i'm fantastic which which good which yeah good for him but i mean of of the characters from tng of anybody he sounds like he could be marina's kid more than either (laughs) uh Patrick's or or Gates's. Marina kid. did change her accent a little yeah. bit, though. Like that's not her her Deanna Troy accent is not her true accent. Oh no, yeah. She, <laughs> she put a little bit of a spin on it. No, no, very she's very much. Uh, sorry, I need to dial it in <laughs> if I'm going to do it. But but yeah, it's yeah, she's very much got that traditional uh, standard uh, modern British. Kind of cockney, but kind of not accent in real life, and so does he. And she's she's wildly inappropriate sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, and apparently they're both Spurs fans, so maybe that's genetic too. <laughs> but but yeah, just um, yeah. I don't. I, I hope that's going somewhere um, as far as new stuff. Um, uh, this episode did for me kick off on a very high note. Um, maybe it's the MCU influence, but uh, spaceships and uh, classic rock. Good yeah. combination. Mm-hmm. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy action. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. Uh, eating anybody... spaceships. Yeah, eating yeah. spaceships. Very. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm still wrapping my brain around that one. So can and, I, can I interject my, my oh, biggest annoyance though? Like, cause I have to get this in before, cause it's been bothering me for weeks. Like sure. it's been bothering me for weeks. Did it Sneed? Did anybody notice that his nails aren't blue? Ooh. I was waiting for you to bring that up. I didn't want to force the issue, but I was waiting for you to bring that up. His nails oh. aren't blue, you guys. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but he's got a slug of cola. That's a pretty deep Ferengi cut, but they didn't get his nails blue. It's very Maybe. sad. Maybe he had, uh, maybe he, he just came from a Manny. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he did say that like my head canon is that he was like, I like, I like human things. And I was like, maybe he got his nails done to look human. Exactly. But Ferengi's had blue fingernails and he should have had blue fingernails. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. it. I stepped I'd, down off of my continuity soapbox. No, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, 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 I think I was too focused on the face um they, his makeup his makeup is great like yeah. it's a i appreciate that they could update the ferengi without going so overboard that people were going to complain the way that they always have about updated klingon makeup i wanted i wanted him to start shooting fireballs because i do like me some pyro so <laughs> all right so if you guys ever saw like the first x-men movie 
you know what I'm talking about. Um, well, yeah, yeah. and uh, he was uh, he's another uh, Twelve Monkeys guy, which uh, that's another Jack Crusher thing. Apparently, um, one of the aliases is James Cole, which is the character from Twelve Monkeys. There you go. Yeah. Is, I think Aaron's character from Twelve Monkeys, if I remember right. Mm, I, I I don't remember. You Somebody. probably remember better than me. So we have about a little bit of time for you and a little bit of time for oh, sure. one more call and Alan. So yeah, uh, no, just any I, last thoughts on, uh, on this episode before we have to let you go? Just that uh, <laughs> I'm glad I made it. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy the, I'm enjoying the season. I'm enjoying the episodes. Uh, very curious to see where all, where it's all going to. And uh, hopefully uh, when it all uh, pays off, it'll be something that uh you know makes sense worth, yeah <laughs> worth your 10 hours of watching it I fingers so. crossed <laughs> i mean i do i do want that um for for everyone i hope you get the uh the season that you wanted and yeah. you know sometimes they hit sometimes they miss and but i i think that uh i i hope that we can we can mine as much you know enjoyment out of this as we possibly can because that's why we're here you know exactly so, all right thanks alan uh it was Have great night, seeing you. thanks for calling in yeah and uh Let's see. We're on to the next caller. I do believe we have Cooley. Cooley, hello. <laughs> Are you there? I think he he's called in from his phone. It looks like. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do we have a con- we have a connection there, Earl? Are you muted? Unmute. There, unmute. Cooley? Unmute, Cooley. Well. And- well, until we get him on. Um, but everybody in the chat is like, "Nice catch, Holly." Listen about the blue fingernails. And I told Norm this too. When, I I don't know how many of you have been to Star Trek Las Vegas, plenty of you, when it was still licensed and uh, they started introducing um, Quark's Bar and mm-hmm. then they started having uh, character actors in the bar. The costumes from the three character actors and the Morn. Uh, I had a friend do uh, creation commissioned it from a friend of mine and I helped her. And when we got to the show, I went into the makeup room, which is way in the back of the hall. And I had blue fingernail polish and I was like, put this on the Ferengis. They have to have. So now I fixate on it. It's not really that I have a good eye. It's that it's something that I fixated on in the past. But you have an eye for and. We, and we so, have some eye. people are saying that he didn't have Ferengi teeth, which I was more fixated on his nails. Maybe he didn't. And there's some really funny promotional shots of the Ferengis from The Last Outpost, which is when they're introduced in The Next Generation. They had teeth in the episode, but these uh, promotional shots that got taken, they don't. And they're smiling really big and they just have human teeth. <laughs> and those never, those, those never really got officially released <laughs> because of that. So. Well, I'll have to bring that up in the Discord. Uh, first of all, well, we'll be looking for old, old pictures of Ferengi with, Ferengis, uh, yeah. with teeth uh, and uh, blue Weird nail teeth polish. and nail, yeah. Blue, blue, blue. Um, but before we get to that, we have one last caller. I'm glad JD. to see you, JD, that you were able to get piped in here. So how you doing? Thanks for calling. Uh, let's have your microphone turn on there, sir. Yeah, that would help. Where did Cooley go? <laughs> Cooley left. I don't left. know. There have, we go! Yeah, that's all right. We have we have JD and JD's gonna he's gonna bring it. Yeah, home I'm for a us. I'm a luddite with uh, technology. That's right, um, you got it. The um, I this show, boy, it's keeping me guessing. Um, they are the design work is great. Um, I'm really enjoying uh, seeing the like watching the behind the scenes interviews. And finding out how much work they're putting into all this, um, I'm very impressed. All the little Easter eggs. When I rewatch this episode, little Easter eggs of uh, Ferengi stuff in the past. I'll be interested to see that. Um, hey, JD, but, let me uh, interrupt you for a second. I, this is the first yeah. time that I've, I've talked to you. So how long have you been um, either a Star Trek fan or Next Generation fan or both? I have been a Star Trek fan since my best friend in ninth grade 1994 talked me into going to see star trek generations with him because he was already a trekkie Mm -hmm. and i wasn't but i let him talk me into it i walked out of there having watched two or three episodes of star trek in my life with my dad when we were much younger and i walked out of the star trek fan we went to the store after 
and I bought uh, LaForge and Data action figures. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I and I've been a fan ever since. Um, uh, a couple times, like my friend and I will have these long, like two hour conversations. And uh, I said, and never forget that this is your fault for taking me to see generations <laughs> in the first place. It's a good um, friend. I blame my parents. I, I say the same thing to my parents. Like, this is your fault. I'm like, cause they're Trekkies. I just, yeah. I wouldn't, if not for that, I just, I know, I know generations gets a lot of, a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings for it. There's a lot of criticism that gets directed at that movie, but I genuinely like the movie and everything about it. And I'm biased as hell for it. Um, Perfect. It's like we, we left that movie and then he had a bunch of VHS tapes, some of which he'd actually bought. And some of which were VH were blank tapes that he had, that recorded episodes off TV, and we just started watching all that stuff. Ah, the good um, old days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I do the math on that, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm well into my almost third decade of Star Trek fandom, though. Um, awesome. And I'm like, I can't believe the sheer volume of Star Trek that we have now. It's Yeah. It's amazing. Like, there's no... There's no shortage of it, and I'm constantly impressed with all the different directions that these productions are taking. Like, we're seeing Star Trek from, like, the street level and the ground level in ways that we never really got to see before with the lower deckers and the smaller characters that that, that can make reference to things we've seen on on the screen. But it's just so nice to see all the facets for star trek they're 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 working on because i remember when enterprise ended with that finale yeah and i just i remember thinking at one point boy i hope that's not the last of the star trek we're getting because little did we know what a way right? to go out yeah um, i mean that was the thing is, is that I, and i've said this before is that that wasn't a bad episode it was just no. bad to be the finale because it, it was, was about tng not about enterprise i think it would have been a perfectly fine episode if it had been just somewhere in the middle if yeah. it had been, you know, in the middle of the Dominion War, we get a baseball episode that's fun and happy, and it has it's a throwaway episode, but everybody <laughs> loves it. It's my favorite episode, and if they had taken that episode and put it in the middle of everything instead of it being the finale and taking that sort of away from that cast, it would have been fine. Oh, maybe yeah, because it, like in a hatchet kind of, you know, viewing order. You can you can watch it as as you like. Exactly, you because you honestly. The biggest tragedy of that episode is the big speech that Archer was practicing for the whole episode. We didn't get to see it. Hmm. We did it. We, we got to see him walk out into the auditorium and like, it's a real far away shot, but we didn't get to hear the beginning of it or some sort of dramatic. Well, it would have been an Archer speech. So it would have been, um, Big on words and inspirational, but with dry. The, yeah, I was gonna say with with the dry uh, Scott Bakula delivery that I love so much. But I'm like, it wouldn't have been like a Picard speech or a Spock speech. Um, well, and bringing I'm it back, bringing it back to Picard thing. because we're gonna have to put a pin in this and talk about this uh, maybe a couple years in the future when we actually do Sorry. Enterprise. Um, um, but we're gonna. If you have like one last thought about Picard disengage that you'd like to share with the audience, um, because we are running a little bit short on time, we kind of have to wrap up the show. Um, I, yeah, I know. Sorry. And I will just, that's okay. I love your enthusiasm, man. Please don't, if, <laughs> um, I, if I could do this for two more hours, I would, but you know, we kind of have to do wrap it up. I'll say, uh, start, uh, Worf is my favorite Star Trek character. So I was excited when they announced that Michael Dorn was coming back to play this character, but, you know, I knew he was going to be in. I didn't know how or, <clears throat> you know, where they were going to bring him in. But as soon as I saw that sword 
go through the guy and I'm like, Oh, here he is. There it is. Here he is. And he's wearing <laughs> mostly all black. Like his baldric is like stealthy now. Mm-hmm. And, and he's got the, he's got the sword on the back ready for action. And I'm just like, Worf, I don't know what you've been doing all this time, but holy what a way to make an entrance. He's been practicing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, He's been cutting I up watermelons. Cannot, I can't wait to see where that goes. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do here because I'm expecting some surprises. Personally, I want to see Harry Kim come in as a commander. Um, but I, and, and I, I'm I will sure... continue hoping for that until Garrett Wayne gets to show up in this time period again, and we get to see that he actually got promoted eventually. But in the meantime, we have war. No one, no Uh, one wants that more probably than Garrett himself. (laughs) Um, I, uh, I I appreciate you letting me on the show. I just wanted to, Oh gosh, a little bit about this show because I'm excited where it's going. We'll come back because I'm excited to hear your thoughts on Worf as, as we see more of him. I will do. Your Thanks, everybody. The kind of stuff long you want a bottle. I can't you, you want a hand symbol, or I would. But. Thanks, JD. Appreciate <laughs> you being here. Appreciate your call, and uh, keep up that enthusiasm, man. It's infectious. Love it. I absolutely love it. All right. Thanks, Thank buddy. you. All right. Take care. Oh, you know, sometimes, Talia, like, uh, I still do I think this. Every time I start a show, I'm like, how are we going to fill an hour? I know. And, uh, those, you know, <laughs> and then you get stories about how people became fans and I'm fixated. I like, I, know, I love I just, those stories. I just want to turn the mic on and say, let it run, you know, because yeah. that's, we all, I think we appreciate that because we all have our first fandom story. And mm-hmm. I think we all just get a lot of kind of like that renewed sense of energy and, and uh, appreciation for why we're all here. And I, I think that's fantastic, you know, and, and there's still a lot of conversation to be had about this. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, you can always visit us at patreon.com forward slash mission log, check out uh, how you can support us. And then you, uh, through your support, you can join our discord where we continue these conversations, either are about the card or a variety of other uh, subjects that, you know, cover all of Star Trek or all different types of fandom. So please check us out there. Uh, we would love to have you there. Um, and, and once you sign up and support us, uh, I usually like uh, scan the Patreon uh, subscriptions every day, let new people in almost all the time. So uh, please check this out. Um, that's patreon.com slash mission log. Hope to see you there. Hope you can join us on discord. So that's it, Holly. That is our show. That is Picard. We have engaged disengaged. So uh, any last thoughts? No, I think we're no? good to go. We're good. To we'll go. have all more right. thoughts next week though. <laughs> I know I'm excited for uh, episode three and we're going to return next week with uh, John and Holly uh, manning the con here at uh, mission log live. But until then, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, technical production, and for Mission Log and Mission Log Live by Earl Green, the Duke of the Earl Green Room. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you, Holly. Uh, It was great to have you back and uh, great to team up with you again. Uh, I missed you. A lot of fun. I missed you too. Yay. And uh, thanks to everyone here in the chat who's joined us live, and hopefully you can join us later. Uh, We look forward to reviewing the next episode of Star Trek Picard on Mission Log Live with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.